0: So I'm stalking in, same thing, like one step at a time, scanning all around, I'm looking for movement, uh, the, the wind is still perfect, uh, but I'm just like, as I get closer and closer, I'm getting to the point where, okay, in just a few more steps, I'll be crawling up to the edge of this boulder, like, boulder face, and, and I'm gonna peek over the edge, and if he's in that bed, I'm going to look straight down on him, and he's going to be like five feet from me. Welcome to Hunting Stories, brought to you by Late to the Game Outdoors. Everyone loves a good story, and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So, pull up a seat around the campfire, because here we go. all right more coos madness um and if I, I realize i didn't specify last episode i probably should have uh i, I think most people have heard of coos uh, deer but uh it's sort of a unique southwest sonoran desert kind of thing so if you're not a an arizona or southwest person uh or like deeply into the western hunting world if you're you know like a, a white tail guy from out east welcome um but uh coos deer if you haven't heard looked it up uh it's this tiny subspecies of whitetail uh that basically if you imagine a miniature whitetail that lives in the desert uh that's That's it. That's what it is. Um, Like a monster, coos buck is a hundred inch buck. Uh, You know, they're probably the big ones are just over a hundred pounds on the hoof. Like just tiny deer. Uh, Also, one of the jumpiest, jitteriest creatures in the wilderness, probably because everything is trying to kill them. Like they're a tiny deer who lives surrounded by mountain lions and coyotes and bobcats and hunters. Um, So super hard to stalk in on. Which is part of what makes them so fun and appealing. So that little uh, lesson in animal biology out of the way, uh, this is uh, what has now uh, become kind of a, a January tradition for me. So first week of January, like January first, the the new in this case twenty twenty three tag just became valid, uh, and I head with some buddies into the backcountry uh, to to chase coos bucks uh with our bows so so it was me my buddy josh kirchner who's been on the show uh, a number of times good friend of mine um you can find him at dialed in hunter solid dude um so the two of us are there uh we also have a a, a friend gay a new friend to me old friend of josh's named gabe uh, a really cool guy he he came last year i think he came a couple years prior to that with josh last year was my first year uh, as part of this hunting camp um and then then this year there's also a a dude named dylan uh, who lives up in northern utah who's a terrific cameraman cinematographer photographer uh, also just a great dude um but josh brought him down to film his hunt for him so four of us heading into the backcountry for five days four nights was the plan and uh, it's awesome, just living in the dirt, in um, what is? I mean, it's 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 some beautiful desert country, uh, and it's just jam packed full of deer. So uh, I, I've been in this camp now two years, and there is never a shortage of deer or bucks to chase. So like if you come out empty handed, it's not because you didn't see anything like they are <laughs> exciting days full of deer and stalks and coolness. Um, they're just like I said, a very difficult animal to stalk in on. So here is how it uh, it rolled. So our plans uh, right out of the gate got delayed because uh, they were getting hit with a massive winter storm. So we had planned to head down there New Year's like Bright and early New Year's Day, be packing in, um, and they were just getting hit with snow and sleet and hail and nastiness all that day. Uh, and so we decided, hey, let's let's push this hunt back. So it was going to be Sunday to Thursday. We pushed it back to Monday to Friday because I have the coolest wife in the world. Uh, she was like, yeah, dude, do what you got to do, go for it. Because uh, my kids were going to start back at school, which is sometimes a tough transition for younger kids who maybe don't love going to school. Um, anyway. We, uh, so we pushed our plans back a day and then uh, Dylan got sick, like super sick, just a couple days before the hunt. So he wasn't even sure he was going to be able to make it. Um, he, you know, that that turned around. He was on the mend. Uh, and with the extra day added before we went on the trip, like he was golden. He was there. And so we uh, we, you know, got up and left the phoenix area around 5ish um and then we were supposed to be like rendezvousing at the trailhead somewhere close to 8ish was the idea um We uh, because they had had so much rain, so much nonsense, and it's a it's a good long dirt road. Like you're off pavement for miles and miles with numerous uh, creek and river crossings. By the way, just to get to the trailhead. Um, So I I was somehow ended up a little bit ahead of them, uh, and I stopped to top off the gas tank just before I left dirt, and then right about the time uh, the pavement ended. I hit the road and it was, it was slushy. Like I could feel myself slipping and sliding. I, I put it into, to you know, four wheel drive and, uh, you know, just off the road, I I saw this, there was this, uh, super old, like, I think they called it a conversion van, but like back in the eighties, like a van you would live out of. Um, and it was, was still facing the other direction. Uh, so I stopped just to make sure everything was cool. Uh, some like I don't say this pejoratively, but just some hippie guy and his kids. And I was like, Hey, you good? He's like, Oh yeah, we just, it was pretty soupy. So we turned around, decided to get out of here. Uh, you know, not stuck or anything. Like, okay, cool. Uh, just wanted to make sure you didn't need me to pull you out. So I, with that in my head and with the, like feeling the slipping and sliding, uh, I went just a, another couple hundred yards down the road and there was a, a place to turn out. And I thought, let me like, this would be smarter in a group. So I turned off. Uh reached out to Josh. Turns out they were like 10 miles behind me. And I'm like this just might be better if we all go in together. You know, someone gets stuck, something happens, we can tow them out. Uh so just waited and they they showed up and it it ended up being totally fine. Like the road got firmer just a, a mile or two in. Uh there were some pretty sizable creek crossings, but uh we now at this point we had a caravan of three four-wheel drive Tacomas. Um mine was the only one that wasn't lifted, and it didn't even miss a beat like no problem through any of the rivers or any of that Uh, so ultimately landed at the trailhead and right about the time we're there it's starting to like rain sleet snow a little bit on us Um, and we're we're, by the time we're at the trailhead we're already out of cell range so uh, i'm checking the weather trying to get updates and it looks like for the next hour to two hours we've got a pretty good chance of moisture and then it's supposed to to drop off pretty sharply so we did the the hurry up and wait all all that driving and excitement and like here we go and we ended up just kind of like sitting in our trucks for an hour hour and a half you know the the sun and the rain would do that thing where like the sun starts to come out and it sounds like the rain is stopping and you step out of your truck and then like two minutes later it starts dumping again so waited for all that finally got enough of a break in the weather we could shoot the bows load up the packs like yeah okay this this seems like it's gonna pass like we're, we're good to go let's load up let's get in there Sure enough, we're like a half mile into our hike. It starts just massively sleeting on us. Like it's just wet and soupy, but but is solid enough that it's like hitting you in the face. And the wind's going. Uh, it was a pretty miserable hike, to be perfectly honest. Um, and it's only about like three three and a half miles from the trailhead to where we wanted to camp Um, and there's there's some good climbing involved and there's uh, one creek crossing which wasn't too like there's a tiny creek that wasn't like flooded or anything Um, but just to do that while you're like you're cold and wet and we're, we're hauling water in there. Obviously we're crossing creeks. It's raining. Like there's water around. Um, but where we, where we camp, where we glass, um, the the nearest and best source of water is like, it's right below camp. It's not that far of a drop to get into it, but it's also like moving towards where the deer are. So we don't necessarily want to be just like dropping down in there every single day to fill up water and, and muddy the whole place up. So, uh, most of the time we end up just hauling water in. So I've got full camp, a uh, bow strapped to the pack, and i just have a gallon jug in each hand. Um, and there are four liters in my pack. So, uh, how that usually works out, how it worked out this time is I had to drop down for water once. Uh, like I think it was on day three or four, uh, it was day four. Like I made it to to the fourth day before I needed to fill up. Um, actually, I stopped on a stock to fill up at least what was in my bag. Uh, but I dropped down with one of my empty gallon jugs on the fourth day, fill everything up, and that gave me enough to 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 carry me through till I was packing out. Um, so it, it's just a like it's a pain when you're hauling it in for sure. Uh, but once you're at camp and you've got like. A couple extra gallons of water just sitting there ready to go it just makes everything so much simpler you can focus on hunting you're not it it cuts down on the daily chores you have to do just to survive back there all right I think most hunters can relate to this that I'm an absolute information junkie and I've lost more hours than I care to admit diving down a research rabbit hole and because of that I love a good online course that's going to take me on a deep dive into whatever topic has captured my attention usually it has to do with hunting So when I learned about Outdoor Class, I knew it was going to be something I was way into. I just didn't realize it was going to be as next-level awesome as it is. Outdoor Class is the e-learning platform for the outdoorsman. It has a top-notch lineup of the most reputable voices in the industry, sharing their vast knowledge on all things hunting on one amazing platform. Ever want to learn how to outcall? Outdoor Class has you covered. Freezer full of deer meat? Outdoor Class will show you how to turn that into a meal to remember. When I first signed up, I started diving into Remy Warren's course on finding mule deer. Absolutely next level. And they have the web-based course and a mobile app to boot so you can up your hunting game no matter where you're at. The platform is already packed with tons of amazing content. And I've been talking to the guys behind this. And there is so much more in the works from big names in the industry that I'm super pumped about. So head over and check out Outdoor Class today. And if you use the code LATE at checkout, you'll save 20% on your registration. So we finally roll into camp. The rain has mostly stopped. Um, we're, we're all a little wet and cold, but we're there. So get all the shelters set up. And, and we're hoping we're going to be able to to hunt that evening. Like we're, we're there. We lost some time at the trailhead and all that. But, you know, I think it was one or two o'clock. We're finally at camp and we've got we've got tents going and we're ready to go. We had so, enough clearing. Like Like we have the way we camp. Uh, or we camp in the spot that's really like a couple hundred yards away from our glassing spot. So it's it's a beautiful. I love setups like that where you can just you don't have to spend a bunch of time hiking in the morning. You can just wake up, have some coffee, have some breakfast. Uh, you know, you hardly even have to like buckle your pack to just walk on over, post up, and start glassing. With the weather as shaky as it was, we ended up just glassing from camp, where you can see most of what we wanted to see anyway. From there, Um, the view's a little bit better at our glassing point, but. You know, glass from camp. Saw some deer. Actually, no, I am forgetting. Hold on, backtrack. Uh, we had just rolled into camp, like we were just shedding packs. No one had set anything up. Um, and then uh, someone, I think it was Dylan, the camera guy, pointed. He's like, "Deer, deer, right down there." So like right down in this first cut, right off of camp, there's uh there's a decent buck and a couple of does. And he's like making his way up through the saddle that is that our camp is right next to. Um, so I, I was, you know, bringing up the rear on this. And so as I arrive at camp and realize like something's good, what something's going on. And I see Gabe has already grabbed his bow off his pack. And so I just kind of crouched down. And I'm like, I, Oh my gosh, like he's going to, we haven't even, we just arrived at camp and we're about to shoot a buck. Uh, and so he went, went down a little closer to the saddle. He's behind this bush and I can see this buck. He's, he's starting to make his way up. Like he, he knew there was some commotion, but didn't know what it was. Um, and, and didn't have our wind. So he's just coming in to, to check it out, must've thought maybe like we're more does like the rut is in full swing. Um, And so I'm just watching this like, this is awesome. Like Gabe's about to shoot a buck and we've been here four seconds. Um, And sure enough, that like that buck started to come up. He stopped a couple of times. Like Gabe was trying to to read the timing. Um, And then he decided like, okay, I I should move a little bit. Like he he tried to move up to kind of crest the hill just a little bit in that saddle to get a better view of what's going on. And as he did that, like he and the deer met at 20 yards or less uh, and the deer, you know, looked at him for all of two seconds and realized he did not like what he saw. Uh, and then just turn and bolted out of there before, before Gabe could, you know, draw back or make anything happen. But it was a super cool, close encounter right out of the gate. Uh, and is a really promising way to start your hunting adventure. Uh, when like, you're like, Hey, there's just deer like walking in on us right now. Uh, this is awesome. So, the rest of that afternoon, we got to glass a bit from camp. We got rained on and sleeted on and it was, it was pretty nasty for most of the afternoon. Uh, and we were just wet and cold and, uh, fairly miserable. I won't lie. So, uh, sun went down, like no one went on a stalk or anything. Cause again, the weather was bad. We could only glass so often and, um, ended up just making dinner, climbing into bed. I was I was wet. I slept in my pants because they were pretty damp, and I knew they would dry out in my sleeping bag. Um, but it was a it was a pretty rough first night of sleep. Uh, at least the first half. It took until about midnight, one o'clock, till I was starting to really feel dry, and I was able to get some longer stretches of sleep. Um, but by the morning, just about everything was pretty dry. Uh, and the weather was, was clearing up. We were worried the weather report said that next morning we might have some rain first thing in the morning. So we were worried that like the first best hours of light, were going to, we're going to pass us by, but we woke up to a dry morning. So, you know, got up, had breakfast, went and started glassing. Um, and, uh, I, there, there were so many deer, so many stalks. It's going to be a little hard for me to like, remember everything that took place. So I'm going to try to hit some of the highlights, um, and there were obviously some stocks I knew nothing about because like uh, I think that first morning pretty early on, Gabe had a buck uh, post like he was chasing some does around a certain hillside. So he just he bombed down to go chase that on his own. Um, I know it didn't pan out. I don't know all the details. Um, so it, just, just some of the highlights of how it played out. Maybe this isn't in chronological order, um, but we'll focus on uh, as much as I can because there were some cool encounters. So that first day I did, or the first full day of hunting, um, I did, uh, finally bed down a buck. So there there were bucks and does just kind of all over the place. It's hard to even keep track of, of who's where and what's going on. Um, and there's a combination of like, when you have a buddy on a stock, you're kind of watching for him and signaling to him. Uh, but at the same time, you're also like keeping an eye out for other deer that are, it's big enough country that if someone's on a stock in one direction, you could glass up a, a, a buck somewhere like totally in the clear and you could go make a play on that buck, and you're not going to mess with each other. Um, but that day, finally, like I, I was watching this, it was a smaller buck. I ended up calling him uh, the spork. Cause, uh, when I first picked him up, I thought he was a, a spike, like a, a bigger spike. I know that's not all that impressive. Uh, and as I got the scope on him, I could see like his, uh, his spikes were just starting to fork. Like he just had like the, the beginnings of a fork at the top. Um, so he was the spork. But I, I, especially with 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 most deer, I I am not a trophy guy. Uh, I'm a meat in the freezer kind of guy, um, and obviously, if I have two deer in range, I'm gonna shoot at the bigger one. Like I get that. Um, but in this case, like any deer that's gonna put itself in a stockable position. I'm going to go for so uh, this buck had a couple of does and they were sort of feeding through this this thick patch of you know it's mostly junipers and oaks and just on this hillside and and I see he's pushing does around and they're feeding and there's all this stuff happening and then it just kind of grows quiet. And so I didn't see the exact bush he went behind, but I knew that he and two does were bedded right towards the top of this ridge in these bushes. And I, I could see I had a great play to get on them where the wind should be perfectly in my favor and I could go up and around and, and come in from the top. So, uh, that's what I did. Just, uh, left all the heavy stuff back at the glassing point. Uh, and then you drop down and then drop up this, this, uh, one shoot in the hill to like get up and around to where they are. And, uh, I've just been working so hard the last couple of years on slowing things way down. Like I it's so easy to get in a hurry, to get frustrated, to go as slow as you need to to successfully stalk into just about anything, but especially a coos deer, it's annoyingly slow. Like everything in your brain says hurry up, get over there, they're gonna leave. Uh but just making yourself be slow is is the key. So I hit these land, like I've got some marks on my Go Hunt maps, uh, like where the buck is, where I wanna be. Uh, I also have some landmarks that I identified, like, okay, there's this big tree right next to this boulder pile that's behind them, uh, that, you know, I'm coming, I'm working around behind the ridge that they're on. So I'm like, okay, once I get to that, then I can pop over um, and use some trees for cover and then like start to assess, you know, where are these deer? Let's see if I can get on them. Uh, And so sure enough, I, I like run the play just like it's supposed to be. And I, uh, uh, I finally hit those landmarks I was looking for, and I start to creep over, and I'm going super slow. And uh, we have I can I can see the glassing point from where I am, and so we have a pretty simple uh, signaling system, uh, which, which sometimes adapts from year to year, but uh, at least this year the the signal was if you if there are two game bags hanging in the tree, the deer have busted out. It's over. You might as well come back. Um, so that that's like the quickest, easiest way to like to just like get a quick point of reference. If you don't see two flags, you know, you're in the game. Um, and so I wasn't seeing those flags. Like I would look back every now and then and wasn't seeing that. I'm like, okay, they're there. And as I started to crest up, like I, I could peer down and and everything obviously looks different once you get over there. Um, and it's steeper than you would think. And the grass is really tall and, <laughs> and these deer are really short. So, getting a view out to a distance can be really tricky, especially when you're looking downhill on bedded small deer, uh, trying to peer through the grass or see over the grass without being seen yourself. Um, it it's challenging. So, uh, I crept up to where I thought they should be and I'm scanning all around. I'm using my rangefinder sort of as like glass to, to kind of like peer through and really dig in and see some details can't see them uh I, I look back uh to the guys and i can i can start to see they're signaling a direction like okay move down and to the right a little bit so i picked another point of cover and kind of crept over there uh and i'm just doing that like one step look around and then, like another step, look around because with each step, the angle changes just a little bit, or you I'm working my way down that hill a little bit so I can see just a little more, and I'm trying so hard to not just like barrel in there and scare them out. And so finally, like I take this step up onto this big boulder, like there's these two big sort of flat boulders. I step up onto one, and I can look through the grass and suddenly I see the the outline of a deer head looking through the glass or looking through the grass at me. And so with all the grass in the way, I'm like, I, I can't yet fully tell if that's the buck or not. Um, but it's just look in my direction. And I've got an arrow knocked. Uh, and so I, I hook my release in. And I'm just like, wait, I, I, I can tell I have a decent wind. Like the wind is in my face. And, and let's just see what happens. Like if I stay still, maybe he's not going to blow out. Are you a new hunter or even a guy with some miles under his boots who's still just trying to figure it out? I get it. I've been there. I'm an adult-onset hunter who spent the last 15 years learning how to hunt. And so I wrote the book, How to Hunt, A Total Beginner's Guide to Hunting Big Game, as the resource I wish existed all those years ago when I first started. Whether you're planning to chase elk with your bow in the West, or you're hunting whitetails back East, this book will take you from knowing absolutely nothing to your first harvest. It's packed with hunting stories and plenty of those times where I royally screwed up. So you can learn from my mistakes and feel better that you're not the only one. You'll leave with a sound strategy for hunting big game and have plenty of laughs along the way. Grab a copy today at late2thegameoutdoors.com/slash/how-to-hunt-book. And so that deer takes. I see him like at some point he takes a couple steps, like he turns and takes a couple steps to my left. Uh, And I can see as he turns, I'm like, okay, there are antlers, there's the buck. Um, And he takes a couple steps and he's now directly behind this little scrub brush thing right in the way. Um, And and I can see, like I stepped on the one of two boulders. There's this boulder right to the left of me that I just kind of instinctively like take one step over onto that next boulder. Cause I figure if he takes two more steps, like on the other side, like crosses to the other side of that. Uh, I might have a shot and I know I had ranged the bush that he was standing under when I first saw his face was 50 yards. So, okay, I have got a 50 yard shot. If he steps over here, I'm knocked, uh, releases in, we're ready to go. And that deer never reappears on the other side of that bush. Uh, I, I, like he just, I just stood there forever and I heard some, a little bit of commotion and uh, what the guys told me later when I got back, cause they were watching the whole thing is that he took those couple of steps and then turned again downhill and just kind of took off. Uh, and so, but, but because he didn't make a ton of chaos, I was still standing there like waiting, what's going to happen. Then I feel the wind switch hits the back of my neck and two seconds later There is just chaos from a bush like 15 yards uh, to to my right. um, Well, like downhill and to the right. Uh, And there was this other doe in there that they they said they didn't even know she was there. But she appeared and it was as if she jumped 20 yards down the mountain. Like she caught my wind and just flew literally down the mountain. Uh, And so then I looked back and I could see they were actively hanging the two flags of failure in the tree. Uh, and that stock was over, but getting to 50 yards on a coos buck felt like a huge victory to me. Like, yeah, I needed a couple other things to go right in that moment to actually get a shot. I didn't even get to full draw. Um, so there was a lot still between like that moment and a successful harvest, but man, that is, I will say that is the closest I have stalked on a coos buck in my life. Uh so it it felt great. Like this is a great start. Like if I could, if I could get another couple stocks where I get this close, this is gonna work out. And so uh man, I I, I came back, I got uh on the way back I got bluffed out. Like I I kind of missed the the path that I had taken up and there's some steep, sketchy stuff heading down into the, the creek bottom. And I definitely got to a place where I, um, <laughs> I had to do some like shimmying on my hands and knees, and like uh, got one of the trekking poles off the pack just to keep myself stable, and had to like backtrack to somewhere that wasn't death-defying to get down off this thing. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, came back to camp, uh, heard the story from their perspective, and how it just it, like from everything they saw, like it was textbook. It was exactly what it should have been just needed that deer to take a couple more steps in a different direction. And and we would have been game, uh, or for him to not know something was up. Like if I had, if I had made it to 45 or 40 yards, which again is crazy close, like just a little bit more over the crest of that. I might've seen that buck while he was still bedded and not on alert. Uh, anyway, could have gone differently. It didn't, but, uh, still felt like a, a victory in some way. And so uh as the hunt progressed and some some days went by, uh Gabe went on a number of stocks. That that guy, he, he's sort of like me. Like Josh was looking for a certain kind of mature buck. Like he I think he sat up there glassing for two. Maybe it wasn't till day three that he finally went on a stalk. Because he would see a good buck, but then it would, you know, disappear somewhere. It would put itself in a spot that isn't great for stalking. Um and Gabe and I were the like, yeah, if does it doesn't have antlers, I'm going after it. Um not that one is better than the other or one's right, one's wrong. It's just different different desires, different styles. I totally get it. Josh has a streak going of killing Kuzbucks with his uh with his bow. So he wants to make it a challenge and make it a good solid buck. Anyway. Um, The next day or a day after that, at some point, I go after uh, a buck that uh, I saw the first day but wasn't able to stalk. Um, We named him Limpy because, well, he had a limp. Uh, And he also had some sort of funky funky thing with his antlers. So on the left side, he had a – like it was a small – uh, small to mid-sized like fork technically like with, with Coos deer you usually count the eye guard too so he was a three point but it was kind of small and then his right side had this like funky J hook that like came off the side and like hooked like almost under his eye like a pirate eye patch. It was weird, like just a funky looking deer. Uh, but what's so interesting is we also had his dad or grandpa or somebody in the same genetic line who was like the exact same thing, just bigger. And so the funky antler on the right side looked more like a club. So we called him clubby. So we had clubby and limpy, uh, cruising around the same and they were confident deer. Like I, I don't know if they got picked on. And so they got like mean, but we're just constantly like chasing does chasing off other bucks. It was nuts. And so, uh, at one point, like early in the morning, I pick up limpy. Uh, he's actually on a close hillside. So it's a, it's a different route to wrap around. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty quick stock to make. Like you could get from the glassing point to where they are in less than half an hour. Um, so, I see him and he's not bedded down yet. Like it's early in the morning, but it looked like he's got a couple does and they're just sort of feeding and he's pushing them a little bit and then goes back to feeding. And they've kind of like for about 15, 20 minutes, I watched them just hang in the same area and I got excited and impatient. I thought, you know, I'm going to, it's a short stock. I'm going to get over there. Uh, You know, the, the, they'll still be on their feet, but, but I'll figure it out. And actually, no, this must've been day four. Um, and so I wrap around and do that, and uh, Gabe had to leave that morning, so he had uh, family stuff. He's got a baby on the way. Congrats to him, Uh, but had to get back for uh, one of those baby appointments, and so uh, he had left first thing that morning, so it's just me, Josh, and Dylan, Um, and Josh is understandably starting to feel the itch. Like he's been on one stock, I think that didn't pan out. Um, and so he's sitting there like, okay, you go on your stock. We'll sort of keep an eye on it, but also going to keep glassing. And if I find a good buck, I'm going to go stalk him. So I wrap around this Hill, come over the backside. Uh, the wind is perfect. It's awesome. Uh, and I'm just sneaking on in and creeping down and creeping down and I'm using my landmarks and okay, here's where he was. And as I start to get there, I'm starting to pick out like, okay, that I saw him under that tree. Oh, there's that boulder pile. The dough was right there. And as I'm moving into the area real slowly, I don't see anything. I don't hear anything. Nothing busts out. Nothing is bedded as I I'm doing the same, like take a step, look around. And it's just clear there's nothing there. Like, I, they have moved, uh, they are off this hillside. Like even when I get to that point, I usually like try to make myself wait a little bit more, like maybe just post up, stay still for five, 10 minutes. See if something comes by, did that. Nothing came by. Uh, then I start like almost as a last, almost more like, I don't think it's going to work for hunting, but I just think like at least so I can know, like I start like take a few quick loud steps, like make some noise, see if something blows out of there. Nothing did. Um, so I'm sitting there like, oh, well, this is this is why I want to wait for them to bed because uh, <laughs> come over there while they're still on the hoof and who knows where they're going to be. Um, so I'm a little dejected because it was, I mean, limpy. I had been, I, I wanted to stalk when I first saw him the first day, uh, but there just wasn't a play and it, it, it just wasn't. So the fact that I turned him back up, I'm like, oh, this will be. This will be great. I'm going to go get going to go get limpy. Uh, and it's just like a unique ant, unique antler configuration. It'd be cool. Uh, so a little bummed on that. Uh, but as I'm sitting up there, like I kind of walk back up to collect my my pack and, you know, get get some water and eat a snack and everything. I look up, I'm glassing up and I can see that Josh and Dylan are like putting their stuff together. They're starting to come down from the glassing point. So I assume they're going on a stalk. I go, cool. Good for them. So as I'm sitting there, just kind of like eating and drinking, regrouping, uh, getting ready to you know throw my pack on and make my way back to camp, I see them crossing the creek in the bottom uh, and heading up this other like adjacent hillside, uh, like just one across the drainage from the hill I was on. Uh, and so they see me looking at them and Josh gives me the universal signal for I have a buck bedded, which this is obviously an audio format, but you can imagine what that looks like. It's a... Uh, it's very clear. Uh, so I'm like, awesome. Good. Go for, go for it. Um, my route back to to the glassing point was like totally around the other direction from where they're going. I'm not going to screw them up. And so, uh, I hike back, uh, get to camp. Uh, it's, it's hot now. Like every day of this hunt got warmer. So at this point we're on day four, middle of the day, it's pretty hot, and I knew I needed to drop down and get some water. Uh, so I got to camp, sort of like shed all my layers, hung stuff out to dry that was sweaty, uh, grabbed one of my empty gallon jugs, uh, and I dropped down from camp into the bottom of the creek to, to fill up a bunch of water. Um, and as I'm there, like pumping water, uh, I just check my, my in-reach just to see uh, if there was any update from the wife, really, uh, it's mostly who I was talking to because uh, we hadn't been using entry in-re- in reaches like within camp. Uh, but I get an in reach from Josh that says I just shot Clubby I'm like that. Of course you did. That is so awesome. So pumped for you. Um, that's amazing. Uh, you know, like, what do you need from me? Like uh, I'm here. Um, and so ultimately, he just he basically said, like, hey, we I hung a we I just shot him. We haven't even tried tracking him yet. Um, I've got a, uh, he's like, I, I hung a game bag in the tree by where we are. So like, if you can pick us up in the glass and you know, if we have trouble locating them or something, like maybe you can, from, from the other side of the drainage through the glass, you could guide us in, or maybe you could see something. Um, so I went back up the hill to camp, uh, and started scanning around. And sure enough, I found by the time I got back up to camp and, Located a game bag in a tree. I saw Josh cutting up a deer right next to that game bag. So, like, okay, man, they are already on him. Must have been an easy track job. Um, good for them. Like, good for Josh. That that makes six in a row. Six years. He's killed a, a coos buck with his bow. The guy's a freaking legend. Anyway... Uh, so he and Dylan are over there, you know, taking pictures, getting footage, cutting up the deer. Uh, like I said at the beginning, coos bucks are small. So there is absolutely zero need for a third grown man to go over there and help carry <laughs> this deer back. Um, so they've got that. Um, I'm just kind of sitting up a camp. It's middle of the day, so I'm glassing a little bit, you know, checking under all the trees for for a bedded buck. Uh, they could be moving at any point. You know, it's the rut, but more than likely they're just going to be like hanging out in the shade for the hottest part of the day. Um, and so sure enough, they, they came back and I got to hear the full story. And actually the first thing Josh greeted me with, I was, you know, came huffing up the hill and I'm like, you know, okay, dude, I got to hear the story. And he says, well, it's the wrong deer. Uh, <laughs> with the wrong deer, what are you talking about? It's like, uh, this is limpy. And sure enough on the, like sticking up from the back of his pack, is that little three point left side and the curly Q J hook on the right side, and it, it's like small and thin. And I'm like that. That's left. That's the deer I left to stalk this morning. Who had ghosted me? Who wasn't there? That you just shot. Uh, like what happened? And that's not like I don't lay claim to to limpy, but I'm like how you you were after clubby. You said you just shot clubby. Like what in the world's going on? And so the story goes uh, that. Like I said, I saw him. He was working up his, this the adjacent hillside from me uh, to go chase that deer, uh, Clubby, who he had seen bed down, who is Limby's father, if you recall. Um, and as he he's creeping his way across, like he's kind of he went up to where he needed to be. The wind was sucking up the hill. Um, and so he was making his way now side hill to get over to where they had bedded down Clubby and was going to move down in on him. Well, as he's making his way across, suddenly a doe comes past, doesn't, has no idea he's there. He's got a good wind. So he just watches it. He's, you know, got an arrow knocked. He's ready. Another doe comes past. And then here comes this buck and he sees the, the like funky, you know, right side antler. And he's like, oh man, he must've got up from his bed and come over here. Cause, cause he's like, he should be further over across the mountain, but here he is right now. And so that buck came walking across and stopped and he drew like just, like, just, punched him and uh he's like that i can't believe that's how that worked out like he he was just on the move and he came right past us and here we go dead buck uh or arrowed buck and sure enough as he like wrapped around the hill it was it was a great shot it was uh like just (laughs) there was they kind of wrapped around the side of this the bend in this hill and as they looked over they're like oh they're dead buck right there and it was as he came up on it that he's like oh my goodness this is This is so much smaller. This is limpy. Uh, And you could see limpy had like some funky going on with one of his hooves, which is what gave him that uh, that limp. Uh, But he just felt like as it happened, he was not. I mean, I guess in a way it's a little bit of ground shrinkage. Uh, But Josh isn't like a trophy hunter guy anyway. It was really more the shock of like, I was sure this buck stepped out. It had the funky side. It's like, this is my buck. And it just didn't register in that intense moment. Like, oh, yeah, there's two funky bunk two funky bucks got to say that real carefully uh on this hillside and so he just he arrowed the wrong one and uh you know clubby i i didn't pick him up bedded so i mean probably skedaddled out, out of there with all the noise but uh had no idea he was almost dead uh, and instead his uh son met his maker uh so It was, I mean, so happy for them, like just crazy story to hear. So pumped for Josh. Um, and so he, they came back and got settled. I kind of, I glassed for the rest of the evening, uh, turned up a big, nice buck, like way up on the Hill. Uh, but it was late enough in the day that I like, okay, he's on the move anyway. And I can't get over there in time. Um, and, you know, I was just starting to wonder about the next morning. So the next morning was Friday. It was the last morning I had to hunt. Um, you know, and it was sort of a, my, my agreement with myself and with my wife was okay. If I don't have a buck to stock by 10 AM, am going to pack up camp and get out of there. Uh, and, uh, as Josh came back, so Thursday afternoon, he's got his dead buck uh, started texting with his wife and the situation there. And there's, there's some stuff going on, uh, that weekend that actually started Friday that, you know, he could be there till Friday, but it really, the good husband move was going to be to like, Hey, I should get out of here first thing Friday morning. Um, get back, help my wife, uh, Dylan, who, like I said, lives in Utah. He, once he got back with Josh, he still had to hop in his truck and drive all the way back to Utah. So. Yeah, it made perfect sense. Like, okay, you guys get out of here. I'll hunt solo Friday morning. Uh, But we had a great Thursday night, cooked up some tenderloins over the fire. Um, Just celebratory, awesome vibe in camp. Um, And then that next morning, uh, you know, they packed up camp. We bid farewell. I walked over to the glassing point and was a little bit, I don't know, worried might be a strong word, but like, uh, you know, they had been on that side of the hill making a bunch of noise, cutting up a buck. There's a carcass laying over there now. Uh, and so I the whole, and I had been over on that other side, like the other hill face where I was stalking that previous day. Gabe had been over there a couple of times in the past couple of days. So I just thought like, man, there's a lot of commotion. There's a dead body. Uh, I, don't, I wonder if anything's going to even show up this morning. And sure enough, I had been glassing five minutes and I pick up a good size two point. And I know you're probably thinking a two point, that's a fork. Uh, yes, but especially with coos bucks, like <laughs> the super big coos deer are three points most of the time. Uh, so like there, there's a fork like a oh, little guy and then there's like, a oh, no, you're a pretty decent sized deer. You just don't have a prominent third uh, tine coming up yet. Um, so uh yeah I glass this guy up I'm like oh sweet okay cool uh and so I start watching him uh and then this uh super big buck shows up like just nice thick three on both sides um doesn't really fight with the other buck but they're just kind of in the same vicinity uh I'm like well this is awesome um and then uh sure enough I see the 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 big buck does well he doesn't initially fight with the the smaller buck but he does at some point like kind of just give him like a little false charge and so the 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 medium buck comes running uh like runs out of my view to the left a little bit Uh, and then I, so I'm like, okay, well, cool. I'm going to keep my eyes on this big buck. And my whole plan after the day prior where, um, where I had stalked in on limpy while he was still up and without my knowledge, he had dropped down into the Creek and back up the other side and then got shot by Josh. Um, I thought like, okay, I'm going to like be patient. I'm going to wait this out. I'm going to make like, make sure they bed. And then I'll go over there. And especially cause I'm hunting solo. I don't have anyone who can signal me. Like I just got to, just got to wait this out. And so I'm watching this big guy and he like kind of, he doesn't really feed much. Like you can, he's just looking for does. And I have not seen any does on this hillside that he's on. And apparently neither does he. Cause after he chased that other buck off, he like looked around, sniffed the air a bit. And then I just watched him kind of with purpose, walk up and over the backside of that Ridge, um, back into this other country where I can't see him anymore. So I don't know where he is. So I think, okay, I've got that, that, two point that he chased off in the way or chased off the other direction. Um, You know, if I actually run around to sort of past where camp is and then pop up and over, if he's like chased, chased, like where he's going to get out of the country, uh, there's this saddle, that same saddle where uh, when we first got to camp, Gabe almost shot a deer, like he might come up through that saddle. So let me run back, uh, check, see if I can pick him up on his way. So I do, I like leave all my gear, just grab my bow, run over there, into that saddle, and I'm scanning down in the drainage. I don't see anything. I kind of pop around the side, kind of right up by where camp is, throw the glass up, and I pick up that buck. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's right there. He's like from this other tree. Okay, cool. Um, and I look at it, and I'm like, okay, I think I can see that. Like, he's still on the same hillside. He just moved a little bit. He's feeding under this oak tree. Like, okay, I think I can see that from the glassing point. Let me go back. So I go back to the glassing point and I'm picking everything up and I had made some landmarks. And sure enough, I just, like, my view is just obstructed enough that I can't really see where that tree is where I glassed that buck. So this time I grab all my stuff. And I go back and not all like in between my glassing point and camp, there's this other little knob I could pop out on the end of, and I know I'll have a view of, of what I wanted to see. So I creep up to that. Uh, there's a couple of dead snaggy trees that I can use, like I sit down in front of so I can have some, some visual cover behind me. Uh, cause these deer are like, this hill is like 400 yards away. So I can't, aff- like, if I make a whole bunch of commotion and movement, they they'll see me and it's going to cause a problem. Uh, so I sit down get the tripod up set like get everything set and i can i find that okay there's the oak tree oh there's the deer butt Uh, and so i'm watching and sure enough as as it lifts its head up i'm like oh no this is a third buck uh this is a this is a like a true spike small buck just feeding under this hill or under this tree and so i'm like okay well, this, this is, I'm still looking at a buck. He's still feeding right on the side. Uh, and so I stared at him for a little bit. And then sure enough, this other, the two point walks back into the frame uh, and starts feeding under the same tree, or there's like these two Oak trees, you know, five, 10 yards apart. And they're like each feeding under one of them. I'm like, okay, this is great. I've got two bucks here. Obviously I would prefer to go for the larger two point, but if either one of these beds down in the stockable spot, I'm going to go get them. I want to take a second and let you know a little secret about so many of the hunts I get to share with you on this podcast. Every hunt of mine and many of the hunts from guests actually began months before we ever stepped into the field on GoHunt's insider page. This is where I start every single one of my hunts, tracking all my points and my family's points now that I have three other hunters under my roof, and I can start to sort out what tags I can draw, which ones I want to keep building points for, and it's ultimately how I plan my year in the field. In addition to the draw odds, you get excellent maps for all 50 states, and they have just an awesome gear shop uh, where you can continually earn points to use for credit towards future gear, which, let's face it, we're all going to need. Uh, so if you sign up for an insider membership using my code LATE at checkout, you'll get 50 bucks credit towards the gear shop right out of the gate, and let's face it, who couldn't use 50 bucks towards gear right now? You can use the link in the show notes or head over to gohunt.com and sign up to be an insider today. Use my code late and get that credit towards new gear. And so I'm just, I'm staring at them. I'm watching like, okay, what's going to happen next? Uh, at one point, the two point kind of does the same sort of like flex move on the spike and like chases him a little bit. And he like runs up the hill a little ways. I'm like, okay, gosh, come on guys. Like Quit horsing around. I need someone to bed down on this hill where I've got a perfect play to get in on them. Um, and then after that little move, the the fork or the two point starts to like move off and the spike comes right back to the tree he was under because he really liked that tree. Um, and so eventually I watched the two point like work his way, kind of takes the same path that the big buck had taken earlier, like up and over to the backside of the ridge. So now all I've got to look at is this spike. Like, okay, well. You're my buck. Like, I'm just... I'm watching you. You're under this tree. As soon as you bed down, I'm going to go over there and and try to kill you. Uh, and so... I'm watching this guy and he's just feeding and he's bouncing between these two oak trees, just like in and out and in and out. And I watch this guy for like half an hour. And I'm thinking this is that same area where it takes me half an hour to get over there for a stalk. I'm like, if I had left, like you'd still be under that tree, I, I like I should have stalked you. But again, I'm trying to be as patient as I can and do this, quote unquote, the right way. So I'm watching him, watching him like you know. I, I would scan a couple other hillsides here or there, but I've really just fixated. Like this is my last morning. The clock is ticking. I have a buck right here in on a stockable hill. He's not. He's not move. Like he's just in love with these two trees. So surely he's gonna bed down next to one of these. And that's going to be my play. So I'm pretty much putting all my eggs in his basket. Well, after close to an hour, the two point comes back over the, I didn't even see him crest back over the hill. Just suddenly he's in my glass. Like I took a break to eat a snack or something, pop back in the glass, spike's still there. And now the two point is back on the other tree next to him. I'm like, this is insane. Okay. Well, we're, we're back in business. I'm still going to watch both these deer. Again, I would prefer to stock on the bigger one, but you know, Whoever, whoever beds down first in the best place gets the honor of me trying to kill them. And so this, uh, the, the two point eventually starts to work his way a little bit to the right and a little bit downhill. Uh, and he starts feeding in this. There's just this thick alcove. Like he walked behind these trees, which, which have like, it's the perfect deer bed. If I was a deer, this is where I would bed every day. There's like this huge boulder pile, um, in the back of it. And then this flat, cool soil. And then this massively overgrown Oak tree that like, it's basically like a fort built into the side of the mountain. And so I see him in there. He's, he's not bedding. Like he's still moving. He's still feeding. He'll pop out of it. He'll pop back into it. Um, but he's just like in there and then the spike is still just like almost figure eights around these two oak trees that are right next to each other. Um, and at this point, it is now it gets to be just after 10 o'clock. Um, and I know that's an arbitrary like my deal was, hey, if I don't have something to stock by 10, I'll leave. It doesn't necessarily mean I need to be stalking by 10. But as I'm watching this, I'm like, OK, I first saw a buck on this hillside at 730 this morning. Um, and then after all the bouncing around and the big buck and the chaos, like I've been staring at this spike and this two point for the better part of two hours now, and they have stayed on this hillside, which means I could have stocked in on them four times by now uh, had I just left right at the beginning. Um, which again in hindsight, like it was still the best option I had, especially the day before I had stalked in on deer who were still up and they totally bailed. So that absolutely could have happened. Um, but now that it's getting close to 10 and these deer haven't really covered up, like it seems like they are very content where they are. Surely they're gonna bed down where they are. And so I decide to go. Um, so I, I make my stock, I wrap all the way around the backside of this bowl. Uh, I creep on down on the back side of this ridge. I, I I have some landmarks and I'm like okay there's I could see like uh the the bigger buck again was in that like fort area where I'm like man if it would make sense for him to bed right there but I've got like there's no angle to get a shot on him from in that bed like the only shot would be sit up above him hope the wind doesn't switch and wait for hours for him to get back up or I've got this spike who more than likely it seems is going to bed under one of these oak trees and from the top of the hill i've got like a tree for cover a tree for cover that i could shoot from behind and it looks like it'll be about a 50 or 60 yard shot to those oak trees i'm like it's just a textbook like crest the hill use the cover go slow walk basically in a straight line and then pop out the side of one of these trees and you should have a clear shot at him So I go over there with, that's my plan. Like I'm going to make that textbook stock in on where the spike should be. And I'm going to also play it by ear and keep my eyes peeled. And certainly if the bigger buck pops out or gives me an opportunity, I'm going to go for him instead. Uh, Or if I get over there and things just, you know, they look different on the other side when you're actually there. Maybe I see something where actually I could, I can make a play there. So it's loosely in the air, but I'm like mostly committed, like, Hey, I'm going to go to where this spike is and we'll see what happens from there. And so that's the play. So I crest the hill and and I I get to what I'm pretty sure like okay, based on what I'm looking at on my on my map, uh based on what I saw over there, like I think this is the first tree to 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 sneak up behind. Uh, And so I do. And same kind of deal. Once I'm on their side of the hill, I've got perfect wind in my face and I'm just taking a step or two and then scanning all around another step scan, like going as slow as I can. I get to that first tree um, and I'm looking all around. I don't see anything yet. Uh, And so I kind of creep just around that tree. And now I'm looking down to the next tree, which is, you know, about 10, 15 yards away. And theoretically, that's the tree that, okay, I get to that tree and it's kind of overgrown and there's a lot of good cover and I'll just have to like creep out to the left where I can finally see and I should have a clear spot, a clear sight to these two oak trees that he was feeding under. And so I get to that tree. I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything blow out. I haven't heard anything like huff or wheeze at me. Like, okay, this, this, so far this is working out and I creep around that tree and I don't see anything like no deer, no, 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 nothing. And so it has me starting to like second guess. I'm Like, okay, well he, he, what, he should be right there. Um, I mean, there were some like boulders and dead snap things that I was like, oh, there's the deer. And then I would look like through the spotter or not the spotter, but the, the range finder like, okay, no, that's not a deer. That's a rock. Um, So I start second guessing. I was like, Oh, did I do this wrong? Like, am I in the wrong spot? Are these not, is this not the tree or the, the pair of trees? Um, and it was this pretty distinctive, like two oak trees. Uh, one of them had like this big, like there was this rock shelf between them that he was mostly standing on. And I'm looking at what looks kind of like that, but there's all these other trees. I'm like, ah, gosh, maybe that's not it. Um, And so like, he's not there, Um, but I can think like, okay, I'm pretty sure these are those trees. And so I can look over there and I can see uh, the, the fort that the two point was in when I last saw him. Uh, I'm like, okay, that is clearly right over there. Cause I can see the big boulder pile. I can see the big Oak tree. There was this one, I don't know what type of bush it is, but like this wispy greenish yellow bush. And I can clearly see that. So I'm like, okay, that is the spot that he was in. I still have a good wind. Let me go sneak on over there. See, like, you know, maybe, maybe he's bedded down in there. Maybe I can get an angle. So I'm stalking in. Same thing, like one step at a time, scanning all around. I'm looking for movement. Uh, the the wind is still perfect, uh, but I'm just like, as I get closer and closer, I'm getting to the point where, okay, in just a few more steps, I'll be crawling up to the edge of this boulder, like boulder face and and I'm going to peek over the edge. And if he's in that bed, I'm going to look straight down on him and he's going to be like five feet from me. If this is, if this is where he is. Um, and so ultimately I get there and I'm just, as I'm getting so close, I'm like, there's no way, there's no way I got this close to this deer. (laughs) And he, he hasn't heard me by now and hasn't blown out by now. Um, and so finally, like I, I got to that point where I was like, there's just like, one little, like at this point, I just have to lean over and see and look. And I'm, I'm still like, I can't imagine this is actually what's happening, but still want to treat it seriously. So I have my, my bow ready arrow knocked. There's, uh, my, my release is clicked in. And so I just lean my body out and over and look down this rock face and I see a perfect deer bed with no deer in it. So he is not there. Uh, and so then I, I relax a little bit. I'm disappointed, but I relax a little bit. Um, and I start scanning all around and, you know, take another couple steps this direction and scan everything. And I'm just looking under every tree, um, every boulder, every dead snag, like uh, just scanning everything for what, what should be a deer. So I think there's no, there's no way that they left. Like they're they're they should be right here. um, and unfortunately there were no deer. Like I got to the point where I looked all around that bedding area. And again, I was positive. This is the bed that he was in. Um, and so then I, I at this point, I'm like, well, there's no deer here. Like I've got nothing to lose. I, I worked my way back to, I could remember exactly in relation to the big deer's bed. I'm like, okay, I know where those two oak trees were. And so I come back and sure enough, they, they were the two oak trees I was looking at in my first stalk. So I, I stalked in on exactly the right line. It was exactly what, where it should have been, but the this I was standing right where I watched that spike for two hours and he was not there anymore either. So I don't know what happened. If I just wasn't patient enough, if they both went up and over the hill the way the others had uh, and I that they just did that while I was making my way over there, I tried to be careful with movement. Maybe somehow I spooked them on my way, um, but like most of there's like one little pass through some thick stuff that would even potentially be within view of them. And then I get on the backside of this bowl and I am out of their sight the entire way until I crest over right on top of them. So I honestly don't know what went wrong. Um, it could have just been, they weren't bedded down yet. And they decided just before they bedded to move to some totally different spot. Um, but no deer there. Uh, and so at that point I knew, well, my hunt is over Uh, it is the agreed upon time has come and I've got to get home to, you know, do other stuff. Um, and so made the trudge back, uh, sure enough, actually like spooked up a a decent buck, just walking back, um, not being terribly careful. I, I was being sort of alert. And as I would, you know, Come around every bend in in the topography. I would like go slow and scan around just in case something was there. Uh, but spooked up this deer. Uh, then actually like semi-ran to try to get to this one saddle that I thought, like, well, maybe that's an escape route if he's trying to get away from me. And if he have like, there are a number of ways to get away from me. Maybe he'll take this saddle, uh, ran up into there and nothing nothing appeared so i'm pretty sure he just went down further into the cut the direction i had seen him going uh because it would have been like a sort of a weird 180 move up and around this other bend to go up through that saddle so seems like less of a logical path for the deer to take um and that was it and then it was you know 12 1 o'clock at that point uh Came back to camp, packed everything up, uh, hiked the three and a half miles out and, uh, and drove back home. So uh, it was a, a solid adventure. You know, it's it's always great to I hadn't been on a backcountry hunt. Uh, man, my, my fall was surprisingly uh, lacking in those because I usually spend a lot of time in the backcountry and I had ended up doing a lot of more like truck camping. Um, so it was great to, to get some weight on the pack and sleep in the dirt again. Uh, And it's always great to just be in a a target-rich environment, uh, to make multiple stocks, to get to make mistakes, to get to learn and uh, make some adjustments on the fly. Uh, Super fun. Love that hunt. Look forward to it every year now. Um, And as I record this, like there's still... Uh, the rest of the month of January where uh, where units are open and I've got a tag in my pocket so uh, still in the process of trying to look on my calendar and figure out where I can you know steal a day or two here or there to to get back out and chase some stuff Uh, might try to to keep chasing some coos or might actually try to go find a good mule deer spot uh, to to spend a couple days because after trying to stalk in on coos uh, mule deer are going to feel like big dumb horses. Um, that's no, it is plenty hard to stalk in on a mule deer that I'm not besmirching. I'm just saying (laughs) coos deer are so incredibly spooky, uh, that, that mule deer, uh, had I had the encounter I had in that first stalk at 50 yards with a, with a mule deer, I'm pretty sure I would have gotten a shot because they'll just like stand there and look at you for a while, trying to figure out what's going on. Whereas accused deer is like, Hmm, something's fishy. I don't like this. I'm out of here. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what the, what the month brings. And obviously if something cool happens, I will bring you that story. Um, and, uh, more stories to come. So, uh, I'm in the process of trying to reach out to a bunch of my, my contacts and other people that some have had on before some I haven't. Uh, but everyone, you know, fall has wrapped up across the West. So there are a bunch of good stories out there just waiting to be told. Uh, and I'm going to hopefully capture a bunch of them on here. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to hunting stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with late to the game, go ahead and check us out at late to or give us a follow on Instagram at late to the game outdoors. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you guys next time.